The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Welcome into Stacking the Box podcast, Matt Verderam and Sterling Holmes. I am Sterling Holmes. No Matt Verderam. That sound is everyone turning this off. I know. I'm sorry he's not here, but I'm joined by Liam McEwen. Liam, how are you? I'm doing great, Sterling. It's an honor and a privilege to be able to fill in for Matt today. I know the viewers and the listeners will miss him greatly, but I'm going to do my best to keep everybody entertained. Don't lie. An honor and a privilege. Come on. This is not the royal family. This is not a World Series game. It's a podcast. Come on. Well, if I'm going to unseat him in the long term, I can't be that aggressive about it in my first appearance. Okay. You got to butter him (laughs) up a little bit first. So it's just the game. The game's the game. Uh, Well, let's get into it. A lot to talk about today. First and foremost, yeah, I see you, Chris. No, Matt Verderm, I know, okay? We understand this. I, I understand. We tried hitting it early so you guys know. So you know. We're not lying to you guys. All right. Jalen Hurts. What do the Eagles look like without him? Supposed to miss a good chunk of time. Are the Eagles going to crumble or can they stay afloat? I think they could definitely stay afloat. I mean, their offensive line is really the strength of this team. We've seen how dangerous their rushing attack is. Hertz is obviously MVP candidate, outstanding. Doesn't seem like it's a long-term injury. They could lose the rest of their games and still probably end up with the number one overall seed and a bye going into the playoffs. You know, there's Gardner Minshew is a fine backup. I got some stats about the last time that he was a starter 2020 with the Jaguars. He completed 66% of his passes for 2,259 yards, 16 TDs and five interceptions. And he was throwing to Lavishka Chenault, Keelan Cole, and DJ Chark. So the guy has made do with some subpar weapons. And now he's rolling into an Eagles offense that features AJ Brown and Devonta Smith and the aforementioned excellent offensive line. I think everybody knows that the big person who needs to step up in order for the Eagles to survive this is Miles Sanders. He's hit the century mark twice in the last five games. He needs to do more if he's if the Eagles are going to do this. Yeah, the Eagles are very similar to the 49ers, which I want to get into in one second. 
is the quarterback's not the main focus point on this team. Everyone around Jalen Hurts is so incredibly talented. We've talked about it. Vertram and I have gone back and forth with the MVP candidacy when it comes to Jalen Hurts, Mahomes, as far as Mahomes, for example, is asked and tasked to do so much more with so much less. The Eagles' offensive line, defense, wide receiver core, Dallas Goddard should be back soon as well, which would be a massive boost as far as what Gardner Minshew could hopefully do. This Eagles team is going to be fine. They should be completely fine. As long as Jalen Hurts is healthy for the playoffs, that is what really matters. As far as the 49ers go, are they the second best team in the NFC behind a healthy Eagles team? Well, I think that comes down to your definition of best, but are you really picking anybody else in the NFC head-to-head against the Niners right now? I have a hard time talking myself into that. Their defense is obviously tremendous. 22 takeaways tied for fourth in the NFL. The offense has not really missed a beat with Brock Purdy back there instead of Jimmy Garoppolo because Kyle Shanahan is just that good. He is that guy. Christian McCaffrey gives them, obviously, another extremely dangerous weapon in both the running and the passing game. It's hard to say that, you know, with when they when a team is starting a seventh-round rookie at quarterback, it is really hard to definitively say they are the second-best team in the NFL. But the NFC is so weak this year that it's hard to imagine another quarterback going into their house and beating them in any circumstance. We mentioned how good and talented the Eagles team is. The 49ers are the least reliant team I have ever seen on a quarterback. And this has been happening for a few years now. It's not just Jimmy G. They tried getting rid of Jimmy G before the season started for an unproven rookie in Trey Lance. Now, I'm extremely high on Trey Lance, but the point rings true. Jimmy G has been to a Super Bowl with this team, and they still said, you know what? No, we don't care. We'll go younger. We'll go cheaper. And we'll add the ability of a quarterback who can run the football. That's what's crazy. They don't even ask the quarterback to run typically. They are so unreliant on a quarterback. I don't think there's any drop-off from Jimmy G to Brock Purdy. If you want to make the argument that playoff experience, if that will come into play, I will listen to it. But as far as talent goes, I don't think there's any drop-off from Brock Purdy to Jimmy G. Hell, the Niners got production from Nick Mullins. They had Nick Mullins looking like a legitimate NFL quarterback for how many games? Six games, something like that. The 49ers will be completely fine. They definitely will. I think the the point to make is that the Niners have a higher floor than any team in the NFC and maybe the NFL because Kyle Shanahan's offensive system runs so well that, as you said, Nick Mullins could do this. Me or you could probably step in there and be okay as long as we whoa, don't whoa, get whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> I'm just saying as long as we can stay upright, I think we could hit a couple of passes here and there. But seriously – they Kyle Shanahan's offense is that good the defense I mean you can't say enough about the defense even without any really big names at cornerback or in the secondary at large they really really just dominate they impose their will on other teams and especially in postseason football defense wins championships as we all know the Niners know that that's how they got to the Super Bowl with Jimmy Jimmy G those few years ago uh they are very good I would like to put out a name for consideration to rival them as the second-best team in the NFC. The Detroit Lions. Yep, I'm going there. I'm going to make that case. I'm going to make I'm going to make it because the Lions are obviously the Lions. Karmically, reputationally, anecdotally, pick your poison. They are not going to do anything. But they have won 
six of their last seven games. Their offense is legit. They're fourth in yards per game behind the Bills, Chiefs, and Eagles, 26 points per game. And they take care of the football, only 14 turnovers on the year for that offense, which gives them the sixth best turnover differential in the NFL. The defense is obviously the great concern. I just mentioned that point about defense winning championships. This Lions defense is three years away from being a championship defense, if that. But during their 6-1 and one streak, the defense is for 12 turnovers, only one game without a turnover, and they have improved tremendously from the first half of their season. They average... 361 yards per game given up in the last seven. Their first half of the season, they gave up 421 yards per game. So these Lions are improving. Dan Campbell has devolved from being completely unhinged to only slightly unhinged, which I think is a very crucial differential. And really, I mean, the offense is so good that it's hard to, you know, I think it's hard to make an argument against for anybody else on the same level as the Niners right it's wild that this is how bad the NFC is. A Jared Goff-led Lions team where Amon Ross St. Brown is basically the only wide receiver weapon is, I don't know, the third best team in the NFC? It's crazy, but I don't think you're wrong. And that's what's wild about this thing is I don't think you're wrong. The NFC as a whole is just so weak. Minnesota, who lost to Detroit, Minnesota at, at times looks like they are a, a contender in the NFC. At other times, they look like they're completely have zero idea what they're doing. I, I don't understand Minnesota. Kirk Cousins at noon is the only time that he's good. He realized it was a noon game halfway through this past weekend when they got down so much. He goes, oh, wait a minute. It's Saturday, but it's noon. I can be good again. Like, I don't understand them. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys have been inconsistent. We'll get into Dak Prescott later, so I don't want to dive too deep into this, but he's been inconsistent ever since coming back from injury. The NFC is just weak. It's just a weak division or weak conference. I'm with you when it comes to Detroit. Uh, let's get into the NFC South. Does anyone want to win the NFC South? The answer appears to be no. The sheer incompetence on display every week from each of these four teams is so diverse and so horrifying, and yet you just can't help but watch it. I could not. Nobody knows what the hell went wrong with the Bucks this year, man. Todd Bowles is not a very good head coach, but, you know, we saw what happened in the Bengals game. They're fumbling handoffs now. I mean, what you don't have no you have any idea what's going on there. The Falcons are starting Desmond Ritter. The Saints have Andy Dalton. The Panthers are doing whatever the Panthers are doing. I mean, it is really it is a shockingly atrocious division, especially considering that going into 2022, all four teams were trying to be competitive. Nobody expected the Panthers to be competitive, but you can't deny that they were trying because Matt Rule was trying to save his job. The Falcons went with Marcus Mariota instead of their rookie quarterback. The Saints juggled Jameis Winston and Andy Dalton before settling on Dalton. Like, they tried really hard. Everybody tried really hard to be good, and they are terrible. We're looking at a 7-10 and 10 team potentially hosting a playoff game. It is astonishing, really simply because you come in, you came in, we came into the year, and they weren't supposed to be this bad. We didn't think they were going to be very good, but we thought there would be, you know, Bucks double-digit wins, run away with the division, Saints and Falcons make things interesting with the Panthers coming up in the basement, but all four are among the worst teams in the NFC. It is stunning. All four teams have a negative point differential, which surprisingly, the Falcons at five and nine have the best 
at only negative 27. I'm with you. The, the Saints, I thought, were going to be a decent team this year just based on what we saw from Jameis Winston in his small sample size back, right? We, we saw that. We saw we thought Michael Thomas with Chris Olave, Alvin Kamara. They might be a decent offense, just decent enough, because their defense was supposed to be legitimately solid. They're not. They're not good. The Buccaneers, they're really not good. Tom Brady made that one miraculous comeback a few weeks ago in the fourth quarter. We were thinking, oh, all right, all right. The Buccaneers are going to start rolling now. But there's so many injuries on the offensive line. The wide receivers, for as talented as they are, they've had many issues all season long, whether it's injuries or drops. Their defense is not good. Uh, the Buccaneers have been one of the biggest disappointments, and I'm with you. Uh, it also comes down to it looks like the Jaguars made the right decision when it came to their head coach. Doug Peterson, I think, is doing a better job than we would have seen Byron Lefwich down there. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C., Mike Rowe here with a few thoughts on my favorite sweatshirt, a classic zip-up hoodie that used to be navy blue but has since faded to what the fashionistas call a distressed indigo. It's 13 years old, soft as a flannel bathrobe, and after a few hundred dirty jobs, demonstrably and undeniably indestructible. This is the kind of sweatshirt girlfriends like to permanently borrow, but I've held on to this one because I got it from American Giant. American Giant makes all their stuff right here in the USA so they can control every link in their own supply chain. That matters because when you buy American Giant, you not only get great quality, you create jobs for people in factory towns all over the country. No pressure, but if you give a damn about the business of making things in America, you got to support the companies who are doing it right. Go to American-Giant.com slash Mike to get 20% off your first order. That's American-Giant.com slash Mike. Let's get into into the future number one. Should the Giants resign Daniel Jones and or Saquon Barkley? I am in on both of those guys. And really, it's about what the alternative is to me. Obviously, if the Giants sign Barkley to a massive contract, then that's a bad idea. But if they can get him for something reasonable or they franchise tag him, he is key to their success. They're 8-1 and one this year when he totals at least 70 yards rushing. Now, there isn't an obvious one-to-one there, but it's clear that the Giants' offense runs best when Barkley is running. And next year should only get better with Andrew Thomas and Evan Neal both getting another year under their belts. When you have two monsters like that on the offensive line, the hole is only going to get bigger. And then Daniel Jones, I mean, you know, the guy isn't going to go out there and win you a football game with all the odds stacked against him. But he's worked really well with Brian Dabble. He's really cut down on the turnovers, as we know. 
He's it's career low, uh, career high completion percentage, career low INT rate, second best TD percentage of his career, and only seven turnovers on the year. None of that is outstanding, especially when you take into consideration that he's averaging 192 yards per game passing. But what's really the alternative here? The Giants are too good to end up with a shot at a, one of the top QB prospects in this year's draft. They'd have to trade up to even get someone like Will Levis. Uh, they, you know, what are you going to do? You're going to go after somebody like Andy Dalton or ride the QB carousel that the Washington Commanders have ridden over the last few years? The Giants have watched that up close. I don't think they want that. And I think that there is really nothing to be lost. Well, they could trade a first for Gardner Minshew. Definitely. That's definitely an option. But I don't think there's not, there's not, there's nothing to be lost by signing Jones to, again, a reasonable deal and then just taking a couple shots in the middle rounds over the next couple of years and see what happens. Because I think the alternative is that you go for a guy whose ceiling is already very established, who's probably just as good as Jones is right now, and then you burn Jones without giving him a chance to grow it up. Yeah. Let's start with Daniel Jones first. I, I think Daniel Jones has grown more than I expected. I didn't like a draft pick when he was really drafted by the Giants, but something he brings to the table is his legs. That's something not every quarterback has in the NFL. Uh, you mentioned the interceptions are way, way down. That's at least progress for Daniel Jones. And when it comes to some of the counting numbers, they're not going to be great. Who's he throwing to? He's finally getting Richie James involved. He has, what Slayton back occasionally. He's missed a lot of games. They traded away Kadarius Toney. Kenny Galladay is getting major playing time, and Kenny Galladay looks washed, washed. It's not like he has great weapons. So I do think Daniel Jones makes sense coming back. He's not going to break the bank. There's not going to be a massive bidding war for Danny Dimes. So it does make sense for him to come back. And again, I do think part of it comes from the relationship with Brian Dable. I think he's a great head coach, obviously a great offensive mind. It's working right now, and it could grow even more. With Saquon Barkley, I'm going against what I always say. You never pay a running back. You never pay a running back. I've said this time and time again, but Saquon is, again, I always say, this guy's not different. Saquon is a little different. He's got through a lot of injuries already in his young career, but they've not hurt him this season. It's not like this year we're seeing the, oh, those major injuries have slowed him down. He looks better than ever. And if you watch the game against Washington, how they were able to close it out, they knew they were running the football. Saquon was spinning his way, getting 11, 12 yards. It is a little different. He's also a good pass catcher, which is why he adds more value in my mind than Derrick Henry. Although I will say in Tennessee, they're finally starting to get Derrick Henry more involved in the pass game. But because Saquon can do so many different things, and you mentioned Neil, you mentioned Andrew Thomas, offensive lines coming together. I think it does make sense if you can get Saquon Barkley back, as long as it's not a Christian McCaffrey type of contract. Uh, yeah, and I think that your points about the not paying a running back are all very well made, but I think the last couple of years have shown that the difference between a fine running back and a good running back can elevate an offense. It's not going to launch an offense into the stratosphere like it did back in the days of Adrian Peterson, but it does take a Giants offense that was bad last year and makes them average this year. And that's worth a certain amount of money. It's probably worth a franchise tag. It's not worth the Christian McCaffrey deal, but it's worth somewhere between those two things especially if you're not paying Danny Dimes an obscene amount of money. Uh, would a Tom Brady-Bill Belichick reunion make sense? I, full disclosure, am a lifelong Patriots fan, and I am here to tell you, no, it would not. It would be 
truly delightful for the nostalgia purposes, for my own personal fandom. It hurt my feelings when Tom Brady chose to leave. He owes me nothing, but it still hurt my feelings. Having him come back now, A, it's been a couple years. Like, we're kind of over the X a little bit. Uh, We have the new thing, and, you know, things are not working out well in New England, but there are reasons, in my opinion, mostly unrelated to Mac Jones, or at least partially unrelated to Mac Jones. But overall, I think it doesn't make any sense because why would Brady sign up to come back to the Patriots when they are a total shit show right now? Like, complete. The Patriots are now the fumbling team that everybody laughs at after spending 20 years looking down on those teams. We have two failed head coaches in the two most important positions on the offensive coaching staff, and it is going horribly. This is the worst coach Patriots team maybe I've ever seen in my entire life. You need I don't even want to talk about what happened in the Raiders game. You're telling me Tom Brady's going to sign up to come back to do that? Really? He's going to sign up to come back to go play behind one of the NFL's lesser offensive lines, throwing to subpar skill position players. The only thing the Patriots have that Tom Brady likes is two tight ends, and we can't even figure out how to use them right now. I mean, it would be, again, it would be great. It would be fun. I would like it. I don't think it makes sense, and I'm not sure I want it. When it comes to this situation, I don't see it happening. It seems like Brady would go to – Uh, 49ers, if possible, a team that has a solidified offensive line and weapons. No, I don't think he goes back to New England. I will say they're seven and seven, uh, plus 31 point differential. They're not good, and the coaching has been an issue. There's not a lot of talent on that team. I don't know how bad the coaching has been when I went into the season for him and myself saying, this is one of the worst rosters in the NFL. It's a really interesting scenario going on in New England. I see Panther Pickle uh, in the chat said, I clicked on a link on Twitter that says, does anyone want to win the NFC South? And now you're getting Brady talk. We talked about it earlier. No. No one wants to win the NFC South, Panther Pickle. No one does. The Panthers are using Sam Darnold. They're trying, okay? They're trying. It was better. It was better than Baker Mayfield. I'll give you that. I'm rooting for the Panthers, Okay. I don't want to see Tom Brady in the Buccaneers again. You serious? Tom Brady in the playoffs might just pull something out of his ass, and they shouldn't be in the playoffs. If you win seven games and win your division, I'm sorry, you should not host a playoff game. That's asinine. It's stupid. I'm going off on a tangent here, but it irritates me. I'd much rather see the Detroit Lions play a game than whoever wins the NFC South. I'm sorry. But I will say... I respect the Panthers. I respect the Panthers. I'm rooting for you. I'm rooting for you. Uh, let's get into into the future number three. Should we be worried about De- uh, Dak Prescott? I see why people would argue we need to be worried about Dak Prescott. Yes, anyone is better than Baker. Tremendous point, Panther Pickle. Uh, Prescott has thrown a truly concerning amount of interceptions. Ten in... Uh, since he came back from his injury, which is most in the NFL over that time span. He's thrown two interceptions in three of the last four games. Obviously, one was a backbreaker, the pick six against the Jaguars. Another against the Texans very well could have been a backbreaker if they didn't decide to run Rex Burkhead at the goal line three times. Still, that replays over and over in my mind. I still can't get over that. But, I mean, it's I think it's hard to get – blood worked up about this because the Cowboys have won three of the four games in this last month 
where he has been subpar. He has still thrown for 246 yards per game, 7.8 yards gained per pass attempt, which would be top 10 over the course of a season. There are a lot of other factors why the Cowboys lost that Jaguars game, most notably the defense giving up a cool 500 yards of offense. I think that Dak Prescott has not played very well. I think that Dak Prescott could play a lot better. And if he throws three interceptions or two interceptions in a playoff game, the Cowboys are going to be hard-pressed to win that game. But I just don't see any real reason to worry that he's not going to turn around. Uh, I would be worried. I would be, I would be worried. And, and the reason why is when they've needed Dak Prescott to step up, he's not. The games they've won has not been because of Dak Prescott. It hasn't been. He's never been an elite quarterback. Um, I, I said he's probably anywhere from, at this point, 8 to 12 I'm probably more 11 to 12 best quarterback in the NFL. He, he's not stepped up when the team has needed him to. And that's what it comes down to. Things are great when they're running the football well with Zeke and Tony Pollard. They have a lot of weapons on that Cowboys team. There's weapons left, right, and center on that team. Dak Prescott needs to step up. Those interceptions cannot happen. If you're not going to be taking tons of shots, you can't be turning the ball over. You just can't. I would be very worried um, as far as the progression of Dak Prescott. The last, what, I'm trying to figure out the games right here. last three games, right? Um, Three touchdowns, two picks. One touchdown, two picks. Three touchdown, one pick. That was against the uh, Indianapolis Colts. They blew the Colts out, but the Colts are a a dumpster fire, right? I can't say much because they beat the Kansas City Chiefs. But still, they're horrible. And then two and two against the New York Giants. That's seven interceptions in the last four games. Is that a franchise quarterback? I'm not saying interceptions is end-all, be-all, but you mentioned the yards per game, the touchdowns that just went through. These aren't great teams they're going up against right now. I don't think Dak's that dude. He does not take him to the next level. The team's great, but Dak's not. I think that's a fair point, but I do wonder, I mean, do they need him to be a franchise quarterback to win playoff games and win the Super Bowl? I'm not totally sure. I don't think so. They're not the Niners. They're not the Eagles. No, but I think he can be good enough. I think good enough is good enough, as it were. He doesn't, he, if he throws for 300 yards, three touchdowns and zero picks, that's great, but they have CeeDee Lamb and Tony Pollard and Zeke to kind of cover for the mistakes when they happen. And then it's, very iffy to rely on turnovers because of the variance that happens there. But the defense does have two elite playmakers who can change the game in the blink of an eye. If you're worried about Dak Prescott's status as a franchise quarterback, I completely agree with that. But if you're worried about the Cowboys prospects this season, because Dak is waffling between mediocre and franchise quarterback, then I'm not sure how much worry needs to be happening. The last three games of the season are going to be a really good barometer for what they will do in the playoffs. Three of their best teams will play in the Eagles, Tennessee, and Washington to end the year. Um, That's going to be tough. That's going to be tough. I I just am not a big Dak Prescott believer. I don't think he's bad, but I don't think the team around him is as good as the Eagles or as good as the Niners and that's going to be the difference maker. He needs to do more than Brock Purdy. He needs to do more than a, a Jalen Hurts. He does. There, there's less talent around him. And if they face anyone in the AFC, Chiefs, Bills, Bengals, Miami to an extent, 
uh, in a playoff game, I don't think it's going to be good, especially if they get down in a game. Let's get to into the future number four. Does Doug Peterson have a shot at coach of the year? Uh, I think he has a shot if you consider a shot to be, you know, any technical percentage of winning, but I don't think he has a real shot. The one thing working in his favor is that narratively speaking, the voters love stories like Doug Peterson. Uh, In the last five years, the award has gone to a coach in the first year with a franchise because the guy before them was terrible. Sean McVay, 2017 versus Jeff Fisher. Matt Nagy, 2018, replaced John Fox. Kevin Stefanski, 2019, replaced Freddie Kitchens. When the guy before you was terrible and you come in and you write the ship, the voters do love that. But on the flip side, if you look at the records of the last five coaches who have won this award, the minimum win requirement is 11 wins. The Jaguars, the best they're going to do is a 9-8 and eight season. That might not even be good enough to make the playoffs, and that would be tremendous work given how bad the Jaguars were last year. But that doesn't, it doesn't blow anybody away. And then you compare him to everybody else he's going up against. You got Nick Sirianni. He'll finish with the best record in the NFL in his second season. Mike McDaniel, who I think perception-wise is being seen as doing more. The, the, uh, he's being seen doing more with less because Tua was seen as a bust last year, whereas Trevor, everybody knew Trevor Lawrence was great. Doug Peterson just made sure that he meant was great. Then you got Dan Campbell, obviously, turning the hapless Lions around ripping off a huge win streak. I think that Peterson has a chance because, like you said, Urban Meyer obviously was atrocious. The Jaguars were so bad last year, and this year they are a respectable team and a respectable franchise, and that's you know big in the eyes of the voters. But I think that the Jaguars just aren't winning enough for him to end up with the award. In my opinion, he's top three easy for Coach of the Year. Again, just basing off how bad it was last season for the Jaguars – and by the way, Trevor Lawrence was bad last year, too. It wasn't like Trevor Lawrence was like, oh, I'm playing well. I just have a bad head coach. Trevor Lawrence looked bad last year, too. He makes Trevor Lawrence look good. Okay? I- I'm all in on Doug Peterson. They made the right choice. I-, I think Doug Peterson got unfairly treated with the Philadelphia Eagles. I understand the Jalen Hurt situation. That was part of why he got canned. But he won a Super Bowl. And what was it, a year and a half later, he's out? That was asinine to me. So I'm glad Doug Peterson got another chance. He's top three. Uh, You can make the case, as you mentioned, for uh, Dan Campbell. Shanahan out there in San Fran deserves a lot of credit as well. But it has to be Nick Sirianni. It has to. The Eagles, again, I think Doug Pierce was treated unfairly, but they made the right choice. They did. Nick Sirianni is – what more can he do? What more can he do? I know folks like to, to point out the Eagles' schedule, right? Oh, it's easy. I will say the NFC East is much diff- much more difficult than folks thought as a Chiefs fan, right? AFC West, not quite as good as one thought. It can be a little bit of both here. You can't determine who you're going to play week in and week out. You have to win. and They've won. So I think to me it's Nick Sirianni, a pretty large gap, and I'd probably put Doug Peterson, especially if they end up winning their division. If the Jaguars win the AFC South, you're going to see a lot more Doug Peterson uh, – head coach of the year votes, in my opinion. Well, I think that would change the conversation entirely, especially given where the Jaguars were, even just coming off their bye, to be able to rip off all these wins and end up with the division crown would be, it doesn't matter if he only has nine wins instead of 11 or has that many fewer wins than Nick Sirianni. If he has the Jaguars get their first divisional crown since like, what, 2017, then that, I think, puts him 
in a neck and neck race with Nick Sirianni. But unless that happens, it's going to Sirianni, especially in the somewhat likely outcome that the Eagles don't completely collapse in their final three weeks. If they manage to keep the ship steady ish with Gardner Midshoe back there, if Hertz misses the rest of the regular season, then Nick Sirianni has it in the bag. Do you think the Jaguars win that division? Right now, Tennessee is seven and seven. Jacksonville is six and eight. Point differential, which again, I don't think point differential is end all be all. I know I've actually brought this up a lot today, so I just want to preface this by saying it's not end all be all, right? You can blow a team out. It still only counts for one win. But I think over the course of a season, you can get at least some sort of baseline. Tennessee, negative 38 points differential. Jags plus six. I will also say Tennessee's offense is really starting to grind to a halt for the most part. Derrick Henry, I think, had finally his first good game in how many weeks? Five? Would you be surprised if Jacksonville overtook Tennessee? I would be a little surprised because Mike Vrabel has exhibited an ability again and again to win things he should have no business winning. (laughs) Tennessee has no business winning the AFC South this year. Would I be surprised if Mike Rabel pulled it off? No. No, I would not. But on the other hand, the Jaguars, I mean, they, you know, I, the Jaguars have a better offense. Their defense is coming together. I think that I would, A, love it, but B, I would not be surprised if Week 18 Titans-Jaguars decided the division. I would not be surprised if that happened, and I think that that would be a hell of a game, but I do think that the Jaguars have a teensy bit of a tougher time to get to that point because they play the Jets on a short week this week, Thursday night football. And if they lose that game, it'll be they're already one game behind. It's going to be really tough for them. All right, let's do it. Let's bring in Ben Heisler from Bet Sided. Ben, how are you? What's happening, fellas? Liam, good to uh, good to talk with you, man. It's been too long. Yeah, just pretend I'm Matt for your section, just so everybody's comfortable. No, nah, you're 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 far more even keeled. Like there's, <laughs> it might, might might be difficult to be able to pull off. Should I just act like I'm Verderim? Hey, Heist, what the fuck's going on? <laughs> just just really blunt, just really get into it. Yeah, no, that's good. That was uh, that was a much easier transition. I enjoyed it. <laughs> How did we do last week? Oh, uh, another three and two week for us. Uh, so if we're looking at the overall records over the course of the show, we continue to have a, a really nice season. Uh, 31-19 in one in our show picks against the spread. Uh, last week, we had the Lions and the Jets under. Uh, Jets money line did not come through for us. Uh, thanks so much to the uh, Jets defense and Jared Goff for screwing that one up. Uh, we hit on the Cowboys and the Jaguars over. That was uh, certainly way over the projected total of uh, 46 and a half or 47 and a half. Uh, our teaser with the Patriots uh, actually hit because we moved the Patriots from plus one and a half to plus seven and a half. Turns out that was uh, substantial because the Patriots money line pick that uh, Verderam, I believe, convinced all three of us to go into because it was. Yeah, oh, was Verderam. yeah Verderam, by the way, he's not here. So I'm going to talk a little shit. He was so convinced that the Patriots are going to beat the Raiders. I go, well, Verderam's a smart guy. I'm throwing some good money on this one. Every single parlay. Let's boost it up. Oh, no. Throw the Pats in there. I trust you, Verderam. You make some good decisions here. Uh, no. No, not a good decision. This is why we only listen to you, Ben, 
because me and Verderam are dumbasses. <laughs> in in Verderam's defense, he has said on the show numerous times, uh, "Do not trust my picks when it comes to betting." Uh, and listen, it was we were all kind of unified in it. We all thought it was Belichick versus McDaniel's. We've seen how bad the Raiders have been and how poor some of the coaching decisions have gone this year. So we won our teaser because we moved the Patriots up enough points, uh, but we ended up losing with the Patriots on the money line. So still three and two week. Uh, we'll certainly take it uh, as we continue on into week 16. And I don't know about you guys. I, to me, like I, I think there's more intriguing topics besides the actual games on the board. Obviously, Eagles and Cowboys is fascinating given where Jalen Hurts uh, has basically completely changed the line, not just for this game, but in almost all of the markets as well. We've seen the 49ers, uh, NFC and Super Bowl odds move up as a result of the Jalen Hurts injury. We've seen the Eagles tick down a little bit. Um, We've seen the the line go from one and a half uh, Cowboys to six, six and a half Cowboys. But I, I think the most interesting one to me is this massive drop-off in the MVP standings. You had Jalen Hurts entering this week as the consensus favorite to an MVP pretty much at every entire sports book. But since the – basically the betting markets had it first, where all of a sudden Mahomes took over. They flip-flopped. But then it started dropping and dropping and dropping. Jalen Hurts, you guys, went down all the way down to plus 700 at several different sports books behind Josh Allen, behind Joe Burrow, and certainly behind Mahomes to an MVP. And they've since adjusted a little bit. But but before I, I kind of get on my soapbox here, do you guys think that's justified? Say he misses the next two games, maybe even the rest of the season. Do you look at Jalen Hurts and say, there's no way if he misses those games that he should be considered for MVP anymore? I don't think I, – I think dropping him that far is a little dramatic. I think that if uh, all else was equal, you know, everybody plays fine, then Hertz should still finish at worst second. You're telling me that even in the, like, six, 15 weeks that he deserves MVP less than Josh Allen, who has had some very bad games, or even Joe Burrow, who like, really did not start the year very well and has gotten it going a little bit, but hard to make the case for MVP, especially the Bengals, you know, barely just took over the lead in their own division. I think that that kind of steep drop is dramatic. And frankly, if Mahomes doesn't play well to extremely well, I think you could still make a solid case that Hurts should get the MVP even missing the last three weeks of the year. I think he's solid too. I think you're right. Everything you've laid out, he should be second at no less than second, but it's Mahomes. As long as Mahomes doesn't come out and turn into Carson Wentz, it's going to be Mahomes. The county numbers are gaudy. I mean, right, the county numbers by the end of the season are going to be just absolutely insane for Patrick Mahomes. Obviously, the addition of his 17th game will help those numbers. But Mahomes has been outstanding. It was already between Mahomes and Jalen Hurts neck and neck going into, uh, I guess, before the injury, right? Right. It was still Hurts at minus 150. I think Mahomes was uh, plus 130, entering the start of Monday morning. Sure. But th- the point is, if you miss that many games, that, that matters to me. That Even if the Eagles lose all those games and it showcases how important Jalen Hurts was to the, to the team, you got to be healthy. You got to be there. The Eagles had a similar situation happen already with Carson Wentz a few years back when they won the Super Bowl. Carson Wentz was on pace for MVP, and then he got hurt, right? First off, we probably shouldn't freak out about the Eagles with the backup quarterback coming playoff time. If that were to happen, what, Nick Foles, Gardner Minshew, they're just shaking hands right now, same guy. Oh, but, like we're, we're going from, from BDN to BDM, and uh, there could be 
a very, very exciting time if you're looking at it just purely from a narrative standpoint. Like, let me let me give you my case in point for why I, I still believe that Hurt should be the, the favorite for MVP. And I'm curious to get your guys' take on this. And I'm going to be writing about this a little bit later uh, over on at, at BetSided and FanSided. So first of all, you put Carson money on him. <laughs> that, that, that's a good, it's a good example. He did miss a little bit more time, um, but there were also larger considered candidates. I, I think he was certainly in the running, but it, Mahomes is one of the gaudy numbers, but I think there's still an argument to be made, especially knowing where he is. Even with those gaudy numbers, he was still behind Jalen Hurts. We'll get to that in a second. So there's 22 candidates in the history of the NFL that have won the MVP award playing 14 games or less. Eight of them have done it playing 12 games or less. And there've only been two candidates to do it since 2003. So recent sample size, it doesn't really exist, but it was Steve McNair and Marshall Falk. Those were in 2000 in 2003. If we're asking the question of who's been most valuable to their team, if we're going into the week based off of Vegas odds, it was Jalen Hurts. There hadn't been any games played since between Monday and right now that we're having this conversation. So no team with relevant quarterbacks in the race played a game Hertz is only moving down because of the fact that he could miss time. It still remains that he's questionable to separated shoulder. I'd be very surprised if he does play against the Cowboys. Also, I'd be very surprised, frankly, um, if he does play the rest of the season because the Eagles have a three-game lead over Dallas. They don't need him to play. They're going to lock up the number one seed in the NFC, and I think that's part of the logic behind why he deserves it. Even if Hertz doesn't play another game, he showcased what it meant to be the most valuable player because they, under Hertz, took that team to the highest possible level that you can get to in the regular season, which is going to be number one in the NFC, getting that first round by, winning the division. None of that changes if Hertz misses the next two games. And then week 18 is a crapshoot anyway, and he probably wouldn't have played that game to begin with because the Eagles will have already have wrapped everything up to me nothing changes as a result of him missing the games other than the fact that he wasn't available and it was to no fault of his own i just don't i don't buy the argument that because he's missing time automatically just takes him completely out of the running for the mvp and frankly i i think if you're going to consider a candidate i think there's good value on jalen hurts right now because mahomes yeah the numbers are great but the odds in the markets already told you who is the most valuable player before this week. So unless Mahomes goes and takes it from him, which it's Mahomes, he's more than capable of being able to do so. I just don't think anything truly drastically changes. You already, he already showed why he was the MVP and the final three games of the season to me doesn't really matter in this argument. So if you've listened to me at all, I've been very high on Jalen Hurts. I've been saying Jalen Hurts probably was just ahead of Patrick Mahomes. If he misses games, he, he he's no longer ahead of Mahomes. And you mentioned the fact of you actually use the argument that I've, Use for Mahomes just to bump him up, and you use it for Jalen Hurts. And I think you're wrong in that aspect. You said what happens with Jalen Hurts with he's gone. It's, he's clearly the most valuable player to his team, right? He's not. The, the team surrounding Jalen Hurts is way better than the supporting cast in Kansas City. It's not even close. You take Jalen Hurts away, how many games do the Eagles win this season? They're, they're having average, quarterback, other- average quarterback. Average quarterback. I'm just saying. Replacement level quarterback. I guess. I mean, they're not. Wins. They're not ahead of Dallas. They'll say nine wins. You take Mahomes away and put an average quarterback on the Chiefs. How many wins do they have? Uh, they're probably behind. I'd say they're behind the Chargers, <laughs> but it's the Chargers, so you never really know. I. That's totally fair, but I, I think you can make the argument that from 
the players that Mahomes is actually playing with on the offensive side of the ball is is equal, if not better, than than what Philadelphia has. I think that's a fair no. defensively. No, 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 no. AJ Brown, Devontae Smith. They're better than Juju and MVS. Come on. Yeah, but they have Kelsey's better than Goddard. Come on. I'll, I'll, I'll grant you that one. Offensive line, the Eagles have the best offensive line in the NFL. They do, but I but I think the, the running back offensive line is they, they've gotten a they've gotten a bad rep the, the last two three weeks overall sample of the entirety of the year I, I don't think is reason I I think that the narrative around the Chiefs offensive line the last few weeks is where a lot of folks are, are going with it they overall they've been a very good offensive line throughout the entirety of the season yeah I, I just disagree in that aspect again I, I don't think it's fair to hurt Jalen Hurts for the uh, the strength of schedule I don't think it's necessarily fair to knock him because he has better weapons. I, I think that the knock against Mahomes when he had Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, I thought was unfair. So I think it's unfair to, to take that away from Jalen Hurts. But just that argument you made, I think it's fair to say, I, I don't know, man. I, I think that Mahomes has had multiple times this season where it was over my dead body. There's been multiple times this season where Mahomes has been the reason the Chiefs have won. You can point to a certain moment and say, yeah, that's Mahomes. I don't know if we've seen that with Jalen Hurts. You, you saw it last week. He, he accounted for all of the Eagles touchdowns through the ground. Like he was the, the sole reason that they won. And yes, like I, I see a lot of comments. Lucas is weighing in. The Eagles have pro football focuses topped rated pass blocking offensive line. Chiefs are at number 12. Yes. Like there's, there's better weapons on the Eagles than, than on the chiefs collectively. I, I, I will give you that argument. I think that's a fair argument. I'm telling you that into this week, the betting odds were indicating that all things relative to that, like, Taking all that into consideration, Hertz was the MVP. So it doesn't change as a result of him not playing anymore. That's my point, is that everything, we were already discussing all these things anyway, and he was still the betting favorite. And now knowing that the Eagles are still going to get the number one seed, they're still going to be the, the winners of the NFC East division, that doesn't change as a result of it. What do you have, Liam? I think that this is kind of boils down to the most valuable player versus the best player argument. Again, I think that uh, Hertz is more valuable to the Eagles, frankly, because I think that, you know, Sterling, you're uh, underselling perhaps Andy Reid's skill as an offensive head coach because the Chiefs did, you know, do good things with an average quarterback not that long ago. It was only five years ago that Alex Smith was back there and he had Tyreek and Kelsey, but they weren't, you know, maybe not the fully realized versions of themselves yet. But the best player is available for every game and shows out every game. And that is what Mahomes is going to end up being. And so then the vote usually ends up going to the best player rather than technically speaking, the most valuable. It's also interesting that to Ben's point, I mean, the betting odds were equal going into the week, and I'm interested to see how they change because if the Eagles look completely lost, does that make Hurts a more valuable player? I think that, it, you know, from through a certain lens, through the lens that we're looking at it now about the supporting cast, if the Eagles fall apart these last three weeks, then Hurts is more valuable to his team than Mahomes. It's a very interesting conversation. You two feel very passionately about it, and I think these last three weeks will tell us a lot about it. Well, right. what's funny <laughs> is I was actually on Hurts' side before before the injury. I was I was team Hurts is probably going to win it. I, I do think the record matters. I do think to an extent that does make a difference. Uh, again, I didn't want to knock him for having A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith because they hated when that was used against Patrick Mahomes. Right. 
Uh, I didn't think to an extent too, we're probably not talking. Sean mentioned the 13 rushing touchdowns. That's huge. That's huge. And the ability to run on the ground, that's, that's outstanding. But I do think uh, you have to be healthy. I, I do think missing games takes a massive knock against the MVP, MVP candidacy. You have to be available uh, unless you're literally sitting out the last game of the season because you've already locked it up. If you miss two or three games uh, and Mahomes is still doing what he's doing, I just don't see Jalen Hurts winning. By the way, our guy Sean weighs in saying best of best of, uh, ability is availability. Yes, to a certain extent. Um, but again, what what's done and what's been accomplished over the course of the season has, has already been accomplished. And we've seen what the Eagles have been able to do also in the best division in football this year. Like that's, that's not, and it's not a back and forth argument. Like, yes, believe it or not. It's well, I, I take that. Maybe it's the, it's the AFC East. You could have a competitive argument with the, with the NFC East this year, AFC and NFC East. It's certainly not the, uh, the, the AFC West. Um, as far as divisions and the level of competition that you're playing. But also, in the interest of full transparency, I know that uh, we, we got some games and some picks to talk about. Um, you know, I always think it's important to admit your biases uh, on the front end. I, I do have a Jalen Hurts 18-1 to MVP. <laughs> um, I said that. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think the arguments hold up, but I also think it's important to, to admit um, where, where your biases lie. So yes, I, I am advocating. I, it's maybe not necessarily a, a journalistic, uh, integrity that I'm going with here. It's more of a, it's more of a lobbying effort, um, with the interest of, of putting all of your, your biases on the table. So say that in, in that sense, but I, I do want to get your guys' perspective, uh, on that game. It's been a crazy line movement, um, for the Eagles and for the Cowboys, which started off as the Cowboys minus one and a half. It's gone up a full five points towards the Cowboys side, anywhere between five and a half to six and a half, depending on where you guys look and where you, you place your bets with a total of 46. Um, I, I jumped on the Cowboys. Once I started to see that line start to move, I wanted to get them before it hit three. So I'm on them at minus two and a half. However, the fact that it's all the way up to nearly a touchdown, given what we've just had the conversations about, there's still plenty of weapons on this Eagles team. We've also seen a Cowboys team the last couple of weeks, fall apart. You guys have talked about it over the course of the show, whether or not there's concern about Dak Prescott, whether or not the Cowboys defense that was once elite has had major struggles over the last few weeks. I I can't help but wonder if we're given too many points here to a Cowboys team that really hasn't done much over the last few weeks to deserve being almost a full touchdown favorite, even if Jalen Hurts is out. Like I kind of look at it collectively and say, I don't think the Eagles are going to win, but if you can give me plus six and a half, where they're rallying around Gardner Minshew and using the rest of their skill set against a team that I believe is better than Dallas. I kind of look at this guy and say, all right, I think I got to take the points here in a divisional game at or on, on the road where these games tend to be a little bit close anyway. I think it's too many points right now for Dallas. I, I think I'm going to lean on the Eagles side, maybe try to middle this game a little bit. I like that, man. I would for sure take the Eagles with the points. The, They'll be fine with Gardner Minshew. The weapons are there. And also Dak Prescott, I mentioned, he's been very careless with the ball. You're telling me Darius Slay is not going to pick him off? I believe it. I believe that. You, you think they'll be able to run the football effectively against the, in my opinion, really, really solid front seven of the, of the Eagles? Zeke's going to have some, some tough sledding. Tony Pollard will probably be a little better because the, the athleticism, the quickness. But Zeke's going to struggle. Yeah, I, I think that the the point with the Eagles is the move here. Through every football sense, you guys are right, but I will 
present to you an alternative viewpoint. The Cowboys are at home. They are going to be playing pissed off because they didn't feel like they got a fair shot at the Eagles last time because they started Cooper Rush. They're going to be pissed off because everybody's talking about how they ain't actually all that good. They're going to be pissed off because they gave up a 14-point lead to the Jaguars and lost the game on a tipped pick six. And this is a divisional rivalry, one of the best in the NFL. Anecdotally, just like feeling it, it feels like the Cowboys are going to come out firing. And it feels like, and we've seen in the last two months, they have had some wild offensive explosions that is partially due to the electricity of their skilled players like Tony Pollard, partially just due to crazy luck and bounces and things of that nature. But it feels like if the stars were to align in a non-logical sense, it feels like the stars are aligning for the Cowboys right now. I, I think that's an interesting call, Liam, because I – there's been aspects, especially about what the Cowboys do on offense through the run game, that we've seen the Eagles struggle with consistently all year. That, that's that been a major issue for it. You saw it uh, in the game against Chicago, and, and credit to the Bears for, for keeping that one much closer than it likely deserved to be, but you saw the explosive playmaking from Justin Fields in that game. A touchdown was taken off the board um, for him because he, he stepped out of bounds, but that was a, a remarkable run. Uh, David Montgomery had a big game against them. So they they do have issues, Philadelphia, when it comes to stopping the run they have throughout the, the bulk of the season. I expect them to win, but you're telling me six and a half points against the most consistent team in football all season long. That, that just feels like a lot of points to me. And so that's why I feel like I, I need to to go with Philadelphia, especially if this line goes all the way up to seven. That That's a no-brainer pick for me, especially in today's NFL. I will say also, Ben, with the Bears, masterful tank job all season long. Keeping <laughs> games closed. They give fans something to get excited about. But what happens? Well, they find a way to lose. Oh, it's just a masterful tank job for a better draft pick in Chicago. Good for them. Good yeah, for you. Yeah. They, they've started to figure it out. They've, they've played well on these, these bye weeks or mini bye weeks. Uh, I mean, if you're really trying to sell it, how about Houston? <laughs> the last couple of weeks. Oh, yeah. You really go all the way to the end. Overtime against Kansas City at home. Previous week, you, you take the Cowboys into the final two minutes. Um, both of these two teams that are, are trying to suck as bad as they can uh, for, for one of those top overall picks. It's Houston's basically to lose, but uh, they, they, they certainly made it interesting. All right, you guys ready to go into uh, some betting plays for the week? Let's do it. Okay, all right. So, again, for uh, Liam, I, I know that uh, you're, you're filling in for Verteram here, so a little bit of gist of, as to sort of how we kind of go through these. These are already bets that I have made uh, heading into the show. The lines may have changed from where they currently stand. I'll, I'll keep you posted on where they are now. But we we give credit for making the actual selection. These are all tracked, of course, at BetSided and at BetStamp, so on and so forth. Um, let's start with the, the aforementioned Chicago Bears. They covered at home last week. I do not expect them to cover again. Uh, it's a good Buffalo team that's had a little bit more rest. Uh, they're... They were catching eight. That's where I got them. They're now currently eight and a half to nine. Um, remember, this this is a Bears team that will go back and forth with you for a little bit on the offensive side, but they're hurt. They're beat up defensively. And remember, this is a team trying to lose, whereas Buffalo is trying to win. And when they win, they have the largest margin of victory in the NFL. So Bills minus eight, first one on the board. Are we going yay or nay for the show? Oh, big yay. I'm big with yay. you. Okay. Yeah. Bills minus eight on the board. We mentioned the Cowboys uh, took them at minus two and a half. Um, but I say let's let's go ahead and add a second pick to the show because we just talked about it here. I know Liam is, is going against it, uh, but certainly you're the deciding vote. 
We'll have Cowboys minus two and a half on the board because it's already been bet. I have not bet the Eagles plus six and a half yet. Do we want to go ahead and put that as a show bet as well? I would love to, Ben. Okay. But by the way, do you think it would potentially go up to seven? In your betting expertise, any chance of it going up to seven? Maybe. And the only reason that I say that is because as the public comes in this week and they know that Jalen Hurts... Hey, here's what I'll say. The answer is yes if Hurts is uh, ruled out. I will say the public bets it up to seven um, in that circumstance. So you want? So do we wait and say let's let's keep it off the board, or we we roll the dice with it now? I still think six and a half is too much. Let's go with a six and a half. But if it gets to seven, I'm gonna probably just be very irritated with myself as the Eagles lose by seven. Okay. <laughs> yes, very much in play. All right. So we're gonna take both of those plays. We're gonna take the Cowboys minus two and a half. So that's already been bet, and we're also going to try to middle with the Eagles at plus six and a half. Okay, the Monday stacking the box best bet that I sent to Verderam that was published Monday morning. Hopefully, you guys all read the column. The Pittsburgh Steelers at home uh, in the uh, what the 50th anniversary game of the uh, Immaculate Reception uh, got them at minus one and a half. Uh, they're currently a three point favorite at home against the Raiders. The Raiders got all their luck out of the way last week. Let's go ahead and, and take a Steelers team that's playing much better as of late on defense. Um, don't know whether or not it'll be Kenny Pickett or Mitchell Trubisky, but I, I think it's kind of irrelevant either way. I think the quarterback is not really the story of that game. It's the playmakers around him and a defense that's playing substantially better since TJ Watt came into play. Raiders are atrocious on the road. They have been all season long. Um, it's Mike Tomlin versus uh, Josh McDaniels. I know that he built <laughs> last week, uh, but I, I have a very difficult time uh, not backing Tomlin in this spot, especially in a primetime game. Um, Steelers minus one and a half. I would still bet this up to, to minus two and a half if you can still find it. Uh, I'll go with you. This is your best bet. And what's the rule that I now have? Don't go with your gut, Sterling. Go with Ben's. So I'm rolling with you, Ben. All right. Liam, you on board? Oh, yeah. I mean, how can you possibly bet the Raiders? They The last week was a miracle, like you said. The Steelers have been really – well, maybe not really good, but they've been better the last few weeks. I think uh, Najee Harris kind of finding his stride a little bit and Deontay Johnson deciding to catch the football have been tremendous developments uh, on both sides of the ball. And it's going to be – I mean, you're taking Mike Tomlin in December over Josh McDaniels. That's maybe the easiest bet of the week. Come on. All right. By the way, we saw Tyler Higby catch his first touchdown of the NFL season uh, on Monday night um, after being like one of the most targeted tight ends in the league. Deontay Johnson still has not scored a touchdown this year. Have to wonder, especially in this matchup, if uh, he might be a key guy uh, to consider an anytime touchdown score bet on. Because uh, it'll probably be like right around three to one or maybe even higher, even against the bad Raiders team. So something to consider for a little bit later on this week. Uh, another one that we got early in the week and we were on the right side of Tampa Bay. Sure, they have not done much to warrant consideration, especially being the worst covering team in the NFL. But oddsmakers and the Sharps believe that they are a very good bet. They are on the road this week against Arizona, who has been one of the worst home teams in the Cliff Kingsbury era. Granted, Kingsbury has been better as an underdog over his career, but the line has moved guys from three and a half to six and a half. That might be a little bit too much uh, for my blood, but I do like Tampa Bay. Uh, at minus three and a half, that game has already been bet. Are we including it in the show bet? Mm. Six and a half is a 
lot. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, he's got a three and a half. Get him. We get him at minus three and a half. Three and we're, and half right? we're, the bet has been made on behalf of the show and, and also my 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 personal bank account. But also <laughs> for, uh, on behalf of the show. I, I would not take Tampa Bay at minus six and a half, but I would certainly take them uh, at three and a half, four, even four and a half. Yeah, I mean, the Cardinals lost to the Broncos last week. Like, for however bad the Bucks have been, you know, it's really hard to lose to the Broncos. And they started Brent Ripon. I mean, come on, man. It's the Cardinals. The, it, the, no matter how bad Tom Brady has been, no matter how bad the Bucks have been, no matter how big of an idiot Todd, Todd Bowles appears to be on a week-to-week basis, they're not losing, and they are definitely not winning by fewer than that many points against these Cardinals. And also, Cliff Kingsbury is atrocious at the end of the season. Everybody knows it. He's lost five of his last seven games in 2021, five of his last six in 2020. You know, this is not this is a no-brainer. No-brainer. All right. You convinced me. All good right. job, Liam. Very good. All right. And then the last one, if for, for anybody that's watching going, hey, like, not helpful at all, guys. You're already taking a bunch of lines that have already moved. I have a line that is still available at pretty much every sports book. If you want to do it, it's a two-team teaser. You take the New York Jets, they're plus one and a half right now on FanDuel. Interestingly enough, FanDuel is the only book right now that you can find them as an underdog. They're actually minus one pretty much everywhere else uh, around the country. So you tease the Jets from plus one and a half to plus seven and a half, kind of like what we did with the Patriots last week. So you move the line, make them more than a touchdown underdog, and tease them with the aforementioned Tampa Bay Buccaneers, move them from minus six and a half to basically a pick them. They just can't tie. Bucks win by one or more. Jets have to lose by uh, uh, eight points, or excuse me, they they have to cover the the seven and a half point spread. Um, you get them plus the points. So Jets plus seven and a half. Bucks basically is a pick on minus zero point five as our teaser with actual lines that you can use that week. Are we in? I feel way more comfortable with this one. Okay, I feel way more comfortable with this one. I like this one. Yeah, the Jags aren't going to drop 40 on this Jets defense. Nobody should believe in Zach Wilson, but he only, you know, he didn't make completely game-changing mistakes against the Lions last week. I think short week favors defense. I like that. I like the Jets to cover, and then Bucks pick up. I already expressed my thoughts on that. Yeah, and, and Trevor Lawrence, by the way, has only two straight-up victories on the road in his entire career. Now, you basically can throw out – the first year because it was Urban Meyer coaching and not Doug Peterson, but it's still worth mentioning that road struggles for Lawrence have been there relatively consistently throughout the course of his career. And you're talking about a Jets team that played at home on Sunday, gets to stay at home, trends have favored uh, short home favorites um, in, in these spots for, for the last several Thursday night games. So we got a nice slate, boys. We got uh, plenty to be able to choose from, and let's hope that we uh, continue to build on this 31-19-1 uh, record that we got on the show. Oh, it's going to be great. And by the way, it's going to be a Disney movie. Zach Wilson, we know what's going to happen. That guy is totally a character from like a 2009 Disney movie. He's going to all of a sudden have his struggles, gets benched, comes back. Yeah, not a great comeback, but this game, we're going to see Zach Wilson make a Disney movie. I'm with you, Ben. Dude, Zach Wilson is the villain in the Disney movies. What are you talking I, about? He's I like, agree. Oh, you think he's the villain? Okay. Oh, 100%. Yeah, and it also oh. can't be a Disney movie given his relationships with uh, you know, with other guys' moms. Well, That's true. That might get a little dicey for the property. It's a new age Disney movie. Come on now. <laughs> Come on, it's new age. Disney plus, plus, plus. On, on Skinamax. <laughs> right. 
I, I feel like there's no better way for us to, to end the segment. Yeah, yes. All right, I'll do the vertebrae. All right, Ben. So uh, so what the hell's going on here? <laughs> Uh, we got plenty over at BetSided. Also, you might have noticed that uh, some more of our articles have been coming out on FanSided lately. Um, that's been really exciting for us to be able to get a little bit more betting plays uh, out on that platform as well. Uh, Reed Wallach put out his best bets for today's college football slates and the bowl games. We'll have betting previews for every team and every matchup this week in the NFL. Um, NBA, Peter Dewey continues to, to have a terrific season on the NHL side. Same thing with Ian McMillan. Uh, continuing to, to try and get you uh, some, some winning plays and have some fun in the process, uh, fansided.com slash betsided is where you can find us. Follow Ben Heisler on Twitter at Benny Heis. By the way, it was great seeing you in person last weekend. Was that or two weekends ago? I know. It feels like a long time. Like I, I said, I, I, I know that uh, Fansided is doing some, some cool stuff to, uh, to wrap up the year. And I've only been with this company for, for a year and a half or so with Minute Media, but um, Definitely a highlight to be around a lot of a lot of coworkers that I haven't had a chance to meet yet, um, especially with you and Verderam and Patrick and Hunter and all those guys. And not only just to, to hang out and, and watch some Chiefs games, but um, to see a packed sports bar, packed Tanner's Bar and Grill, filled to the brim with people wearing Arrowhead Attic shirts and all rooting together to, to basically all support the show. Um, that's that's special. Like that's built trust. Over time, that's a community, man. And uh, that was really, really cool to see uh, and to be a part of. So, yeah, love the opportunity to hang out. Love the opportunity to, to catch up, have a couple beers, and watch some Chiefs. And uh, hopefully we'll do it again soon. Of course, man. Talk to you next week. All right, fellas. Be good. Happy holidays. Ben Heisler. Make sure you follow him. Because if you want to win some money, listen to him, not me or Verderim. I don't know about you, Liam. I- I've not gotten a read yet if you're good at betting or not. Uh, we, I make picks every week with my boss, Kyle Costa over at the big Our record is slightly below 500 for the year. So maybe it's a bet against you. So, it's a bet against you. <laughs> bet against me. Maybe don't listen to me. I still feel very confident about that Bucks Cardinals pick, but definitely, uh, Ben has uh, my number. That's for sure. Yeah. All right, Liam, before we get out of here, what's going on with you? Bigly.com has everything you need to know about sports media. I hope you guys want to check it out. We just released our sports media awards where we gave out awards for the year of greatness in sports media to various personalities, individuals, networks, and studio shows. Very happy with how it came out. Would love for you guys to check it out. And, uh, you know, once the holidays, as the holidays grow near, the big league gets a little weirder. So if you want some goofy, goofy content, please visit our website. Well, Liam, this is a lot of fun. Uh, Verderam should be back next week. So, yes, you guys will be able to tune in next week as Verderam rips on me. Hopefully we come back with good bets between Liam, Ben, and myself so that way we can rub it, at least in Verderam's face, just a little bit. This was Stacking the Box Podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you to Liam. Thanks for everyone back there behind the scenes. Thanks to Verderam for allowing us to have this time to continuously do Stacking the Box. Until next week. We are out. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets 
if you don't win your first bet. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.